0: Show. Well, this Friday, ahead of a three-day holiday weekend, all three major U.S. stock markets ignoring the ominous warning signs uh, that are building by the day and registering new highs, Dow up better than 200 points, 228, closing over 25,800, almost at 26,000. S&P, NASDAQ, both hitting record highs today. But to me, this is very reminiscent of 1987 in that the stock market is rising despite the fact that there are very, very negative factors that are building, that are obvious, that are hiding in plain sight that everybody is ignoring. You know, the CPI came out today and the headline number was in line at up 0.1 year over year though that's still 2.1 percent increase in headline CPI but unless you're you know asleep you have to realize that that number is about to go up look at what is happening in commodity prices oil prices up big today over $64 a barrel this is the highest oil prices have closed since November of 2014 and If you go four months earlier than that, we were over 100. So if we retrace that move, we could actually hit 100 this year. I was saying we can get to 80 to 100 this year, and I think we will, but we may actually hit 100. Maybe we'll get above 100. This is an ominous thing for inflation. It's also going to be a big problem for the U.S. economy, but that means that headline number is going up. Now, the core CPI which everybody seems to look at, year over year, that one's only up 1.8%. But that's not going to last either. We're going to be over 2% on the core, I think, in a number of months. The number was up 0.3 for the most recent month. Uh, they were looking for up 0.2. In fact, this is funny. Right before the number came out, gold was up about 10 bucks, And the dollar index was down about 50 and then the number comes out, and the traders immediately see this inflation number that is higher than they expected on the core. And what is their initial reaction? They dumped gold, gold lost half its gains, and they bought the dollar. I mean, the dollar didn't go back uh, to unchanged, but it got back about you know maybe two-fifths of its losses, right? Immediately, the knee-jerk reaction. Why is that? Why would people think higher inflation is bad for gold and good for the dollar the reason is they think oh higher inflation the fed is going to raise rates right well so what a the fed has been raising rates we all know that the fed is going to raise rates but if higher rates are bad for gold and why aren't they bad for the stock market i mean the stock market should be affected by higher interest rates no they don't care but they somehow think it's going to be bad for gold but the reality is higher inflation is great for gold That's why people buy gold. It's a hedge against inflation. So the more inflation, the more demand there is for gold. Uh, The opposite of the dollar. High inflation is not good for the dollar. By definition, high inflation means the dollar is losing purchasing power. So if the dollar is losing purchasing power, that is bad for the dollar, right? And by the end of the day, that's exactly what happened. Because gold finished the day up about $16. So if you bought that ridiculous move that the gift from the traders You had a nice profit. The dollar index ultimately tanked, went off near the lows of the day. We actually broke 91. We closed with a 90 handle, I think around 90 spot, 9.4-ish, if the market is closed as I'm recording this. This is the first time the dollar index has closed below 91 in just over two years. The technicals look horrible for the dollar, horrible, going into this three-day weekend. They look great for oil. Oil could spike. The dollar could tank. And look at bonds. Look at the 10-year. The yield on the 10-year is now above 2.5%. We're 2.552 on the 10-year. We are very close to a major breakdown in the bond market. Now, I know the bond market has dodged a lot of bullets, right? And so, yeah, you know, you could say, oh, crying wolf. Like, look how long the bond market has held in there. It's held in there. But you know what? It's going to hold up until it doesn't. And when it breaks, Katie, bar the door. I mean, this bond market is going to unravel. I mean, we could see a move up to 3% in the 10-year very quickly. Then, of course, if we break through 3%, 3 3.5%, 4%, I mean, the whole thing could unravel very, very quickly. This is what is so dangerous here, right? You have the bond market potentially about to break down, a major 30-year bull market about to unravel. You have the dollar getting ready to go over the edge of a cliff, right? This whole rally in the dollar was a head fake to begin with. But you have a lot of money that can be going out. You know, why people are buying bonds? Everybody believes the Fed is going to shrink its balance sheet. Now, I don't believe that, but the markets believe it. Now, I checked the balance sheet on Thursday again. So far, it hasn't shrunk at all. So there's been no tapering. I don't know when it's supposed to start. They keep talking about it. Everybody expects it. But if everybody expects the Fed to sell bonds, China's going to sell bonds, right? China had, like I mentioned in my last podcast, they kind of denied the fact that the rumor came out that they were going to sell treasuries or stop buying treasuries, which is basically the same thing. Because if your treasury mature and you don't buy more, that's just like selling them. And, and they kind of denied it in a half-assed way. And I kind of think where there's smoke, there's fire. And it makes sense. Why would the Chinese not want to get rid of their treasuries? They have trillions of them and they're just going to lose value. I mean, I can understand why the Fed isn't going to sell its treasuries, because it doesn't want U.S. interest rates to go up. It doesn't want to prick the bubble. What does China care about our bubble? China just wants to get out of Dodge. They want to preserve the value of their portfolio. But if you're out there and you you own bonds and you think that China is going to be selling treasuries and the Fed is going to be selling treasuries, why would you want to get in front of that steamroller? Why would you want to buy them? Nobody would want to buy them. The risk of a big drop in the bond market has never been this high. And what happens if the bond market tanks? That's it. Stock market's going to crash. The only thing that will stop the stock market from crashing, and it might not even work. We won't know until the Fed tries it. The Fed is going to have to come out. And, and say it's not going to raise rates three times or it's not going to raise rates at all. Or it's going to have to say it's not going to shrink its balance sheet. It's going to have to do a complete reversal because there's really nothing the Fed could do, I think, that would uh, be bullish for the dollar. I mean, everybody knows they're going to raise rates. So, I mean, what can they do? They're not going to raise them more aggressively than what everybody expects. I mean, they're not going to announce they're going to shrink their balance sheet even quicker, even though they haven't shrunk it at all. So the only thing that they can do for the foreign exchange market is reverse. And if they do that, that's it. I mean, if you think the dollar is weak now, wait till you see what happens when traders have to start pricing in rate cuts or pricing out rate hikes or pricing in QE. I mean, the dollar is going to just come under massive pressure. It's going to drop like a rock. But the only way the Fed can stop a 1987 style market crash, because what happens when everybody is just buying stocks because nothing can go wrong and everything is perfect, And nobody expects a problem. Then all of a sudden, boom, there's a problem that nobody anticipates that everybody should see coming. That's going to be the crazy part. When it's going to happen, everybody is going to say, well, nobody could have possibly seen this coming. How could anybody have known this was going to happen? I mean, this is, you know, the most obvious crisis ever. Yet, of course, yeah, they're oblivious. And as I said before, you know, they're not going to be able to say, well, at least we had Peter Schiff on. You know, we we were fair and balanced. We presented both sides. Nobody presented both sides. This has been one way, you know, pure hype propaganda. Everything is great. Nothing can go wrong. And so when you're priced for absolute perfection, and then when there's a disappointment, and now everybody at the same time needs to go. So there's a massive crash coming. And if the Fed is going to panic, right, they're going to try to stop it. So let's say the Dow is down 5% one day and it's falling, right? Dow's down 1,000 points, 2,000 points. Now the Fed has to come out and stop the carnage, right? They don't want to let it continue. So they got to come out and they got to fess up. Oh, you know, oh, we're not going to hike or we're going to do this or that. And then the dollar implodes. And then we'll see what happens if the the stock market bounces back up because, okay, we're getting more liquidity. We're getting more of the drugs that we need. Or does it realize what a big problem this is? What happens in the bond market? Does the bond market bounce? Do yields fall? Do people think, oh, the Fed's going to buy bonds, so... I want to own them. Or do they realize, wait a minute, where are they going to get the money to buy these bonds? They have to print it. The dollar is going to tank. Why do I want to own dollars? You know, the president is talking about how, you know, why do we let all these immigrants in from these shithole countries? Well, I think our creditors are going to think about the same thing. I mean, why should they flush their hard-earned money down this shithole? Why do they want to flush their money down the U.S. toilet, which is what it is when it comes to lending money to the U.S. government? So that could be very scary if... The Fed announces that it's going to buy bonds and bonds tank anyway, right? That is the, the beginning of the end. I don't know if this is all going to unravel that quickly, but it is very close. I mean, every day, right? Because there's nothing I think that's going to stop this. Look at the dollar against the yuan. We we cracked below 6.5. We're at six, just below 6.47. The chart looks horrible, horrible. The dollar could just tank against the yuan. I mean, I don't know where the support is. Beneath the dollar. Nobody seems to care about that. And, you know, look at the action in the gold stocks. I mean, yeah, the gold stocks were up today. Not big. I mean, it was a big day relative to what they've been doing. GDX up 2.7%. GDXJ 2.9%. These are not big moves. You know, gold, nobody is buying these stocks. I mean, I own a lot of gold stocks. I own a lot of oil stocks. That pretty much sums up most of my portfolio. And my oil stocks are... Are beating my gold stocks people are buying oil stocks those these stocks are surging they're going up every day now why are people buying oil stocks with oil prices going up but they're not buying gold stocks with the price of gold going up and i think because most investors you know have an easier time understanding uh oil prices and uh oil stocks as they think oh oil prices are going up Oh, that's good the economy is strong we're using more oil so oil companies are going to sell more expensive oil into a good economy So now they all want to buy oil stocks. But when they see the price of gold going up, they're like, well, why is the price of gold going up? I mean, what's the point? I mean, everything is great. The economy is great. There's no inflation, right? The Fed is raising rates. Nobody's going to buy gold. If it's going up, it's just going to go down. And so nobody sees the urgency to buy gold stocks uh, the way they see the urgency to maybe buy oil stocks. But this is because they're wrong. They, they they think there's nothing to worry about. There is everything to worry about. There are so many things. There's probably never been more things to worry about. And the crazy thing is people aren't worried about any of them. And it's probably because of the mania, because of the bubble right when you get into that mentality nothing worries you right and it's the same thing with like in the cryptocurrencies right when you get into these things and you get into a mindset and i'll talk a little bit more about cryptos later in the podcast but it's the same mentality nothing can go wrong i'm not worried it's cognitive dissonance if anything comes in that you know jeopardizes your narrative or threatens your narrative right and it's kind of on autopilot until all of a sudden people are going to realize that, wait a minute, here's this problem that nobody could have possibly predicted. And now it's here and nobody has planned for it. And when there's going to be a big rush into gold stocks, look, it could happen next week. Look, gold closed up about 16 bucks. We're just below 1340. 1350 is a key level. I think the day that we get above 1350, we could trade to 1400 that day. If not that day, the next day, the day following the close above thirteen fifty, and then once we're above fourteen hundred, I mean, it could be a quick move to fifteen, sixteen, seventeen hundred. I mean, I, you know, it could, it could just be like a like a floodgate that you've opened. And then what's going to happen with these with the gold stocks? I mean, they're just going to take off, right? This is going to go into a whole new gear. There are there are some incredible buys in these stocks, even though they're going up. It's nothing like what they're going to do, and the fact that they haven't moved. Again, it's all because people just don't understand the predicament, right? Everybody thinks the economy is in great shape because they think the Fed solved the problem. No, they didn't. They made the problem much worse. They made the problem that they created worse. But the people who think they solved it are the same people who didn't understand it before. And they got blindsided in 08, and they're going to get blindsided again because they never learn from their mistakes. You know, The amazing thing is you know, people are so excited about Donald Trump and what's going on. Trump is very, very unlucky in that he is inheriting this mess. Now, he's not making uh, his situation better, right, based on what he's doing and what he's saying. But Obama was president during the fun part, during the easy part, even though the economy you know, was so screwed up by the time he became president that you know it wasn't like great times on Main Street. It was a party on Wall Street. See, he was president when the Fed was spiking the punch bowl with more alcohol than they've ever poured into it. So it was a gigantic party, Right? Stock market was booming. It was great. Right? That was the easy part. Trump is in office when the Fed is supposed to do the hard part. And nobody even understands that. But the problem is the hard part is so bad, they can't even do it. They can't take the punch bowl away. It's impossible to take it away. So they're going to have to try to spike it all over again. But it's already full of so much alcohol. If they put any more in, then that's it. Right? Everybody's going to die of alcohol poisoning. That's what people don't just get right? He's the fall guy. It's all going to hit the fan. I always said the easy part was lowering rates to zero and blowing up your balance sheet. The impossible part is normalizing rates and shrinking your balance sheet. And we're going to find that out because when the market tanks, because the bond bubble pops and the dollar tanks, right? And now the stock market starts to fall. Now the Fed is going to blink. The Fed is going to say, okay, we're not going to continue with rate hikes. We're not going to shrink our balance sheet. If they don't do that, if the Fed doesn't do that and continues to bluff, right, like a game of chicken, like oh, we're going to keep on raising rates, then the market's going to keep falling. There's nothing to stop it, right? There's nothing but air down there. And I think at some point they're going to they're going to blink, right? They're going to they're going to they're going to turn. They're not going to want to just crash right into the the, the the coming car. But then 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 it's over. Then the jig's up. People realize the predicament. They should have realized it. If this is not rocket science. This is pretty easy. It's just so many people have a vested interest. In, in not wanting to recognize it, wanting, wanting to tune it out. You know, I do get some talk about, oh, what if the government shuts down? You know, why aren't people worrying about the government shutdown? That's a non-event. Who cares? I mean, if the government shuts down, we're actually better off. The problem is they never shut the government down. Even when they shut it down, it's still running. It's still operating. So we actually never get a break. This is all politics. But even that phony theatrics doesn't even bother the markets anymore because nothing could go wrong, right? It's perfect. And that that is when you set yourself up for a crash. No one's worried. No one's concerned. No one's buying insurance. Everybody's doing the same thing. And then all of a sudden, there's something that comes out of the blue. And it is very close. And how many more down days do we get in the bond market? How many more down days in the dollar? But this is all going to accelerate. Gold prices are going to start to move up even faster. The dollar is going to start to fall even faster. This is going to snowball. But in the meantime, you know, just load up on the right assets and get out of the wrong ones. You know, and I said, it's very frustrating that I have a number of my own clients that are doing the exact wrong thing, right? That are selling their foreign stocks and their gold stocks and buying into the Dow. Some of them are buying into the Bitcoin, but they're doing the exact wrong thing at the exact wrong time. The smart money is... Is adding to their accounts. And of course, I talk about the fact that we have clients closing their accounts, and it's more than we normally get. And it's frustrating. But most of the clients, the vast majority are not closing. And plenty of people are adding, they are doing the right thing. And and I'm very glad for that. uh, Because I think we're about to make, I mean, more money than we've ever made. And you know, I've had plenty of great years uh, in my career, uh, a lot of great years. And I think this is gonna be a phenomenal year. And next year is going to be even better. And the year after that could be even better. I mean, I feel badly uh, because it's going to be bad for the country, but that doesn't mean I have to lose money. It doesn't mean I have to sink with everybody else on the Titanic. I'm, that's why I'm out on this lifeboat, and I'm going to make a lot of money as that boat sinks. And hopefully, I can use some of my money to try to you know, you know, drain the water out of the boat so we, you know, we could, we could uh, you know, recommission it. You know, politically, the sooner the collapse happens, the better. If, if, if it does if it takes a couple more years we're finished because then you know Trump doesn't have time the Republicans don't have time to do anything right the Democrats will have the presidency both houses and then that's it right I mean at least you know I mean we're, we're done at least if it falls apart early enough in uh, Trump's administration that maybe he'll do the right thing maybe with the Republicans in Congress maybe we could finally do the right thing it's not going to be pretty it's going to be painful and it probably means they're not going to get reelected anyway But I'd rather hand the economy to the Democrats, having already done the difficult things that need to be done, than just giving them to them now and let them, you know, go and just decide, oh, this is this only proves that capitalism doesn't work. This just proves that we need massive government, that we need huge tax increases, right, because the free market wrecked the economy again, these tax cuts for corporations and the rich it all over again, right? This great economy that Obama built over eight years was destroyed in a matter of one or two years by Republicans with their tax cuts. I mean, we don't want that. Uh, So I think the sooner that it happens, the better, because there's a chance that the Republicans might do the right thing. But again, it's a chance. And I don't know how big the chance is. It's probably not that big, but at least it's a chance. I think there's practically no chance uh, that President Sanders or somebody like him and a Congress full of, you know, Sanderites, uh, that they're going to do the right thing. So we have a few years to maybe do the right thing. Then we're going to have to wait four more years to potentially uh, do the right thing. You know, one thing that I have clients uh, that are worried about, and I talk to them about this, they're worried about the government confiscating stuff, right? Well, if things get really bad, what if the government starts confiscating assets? And they don't understand that the government doesn't have to confiscate anything. It could just print. It's the same thing. See, the government can print money and buy whatever it wants. That's like confiscation. I guess they, they, it cost them nothing to, to print money. So why would they have to confiscate something? They could just go and buy it with money they created for nothing, right? And so that's what I think they're going to do. So rather than worrying about the government taking your gold, like, like Roosevelt, right? They confiscated gold, although they didn't send you know, government troops to people's houses looking for gold. I mean, people voluntarily complied with the law, right? They walked in and they, they, they gave up their gold. Most people didn't. Most people kept their gold, which was the smart thing to do. But they needed to take the gold back then because we were on a gold standard. The government couldn't just print money when Roosevelt was president. They needed the gold. So they they, they seized it because they needed it. They don't need gold anymore. We're not on a gold standard. We have no standard. They just print, print and buy. Right? Look at all the stocks that the Swiss Central Bank now owns. Did they confiscate those stocks? No, they just bought them. But where'd they get the money? They created it out of thin air. So it's practically the same thing, right? So as long as... The dollar has some value. The government doesn't have to confiscate anything. Even if prices go up, what do they care? They'll just print more. You know, they'll just print as much as they need to buy what they want. The only time it stops is when the dollar is worthless, when no one will take it. Yet now that is a time where you have to worry about the government seizing your stuff, right? When Because the minute nobody wants dollars, right, because the dollar is worth nothing, now they got to do that. Now they got to come and seize your stuff. Now the last thing they're likely to seize is your physical gold, because how are they going to find it? It's going to be a lot easier to seize your stocks out of your brokerage account than the gold that you have buried somewhere. But yeah, they might do that. They might start seizing. They might start seizing foreign exchange. They might put controls. They might make it illegal for people to move money out of the country. A lot of this stuff is going to happen eventually. It's not going to happen right away. But before that happens, the dollar is going way down, right? Foreign stocks, commodities, gold are going way up. So let's worry about that first. Let's worry about protecting your wealth from the real confiscation, which is inflation, right? They print money and they confiscate your purchasing power. So what is the government going to confiscate? Your savings account, your bonds, your treasuries, your muni bonds, the cash value of of an insurance policy. That's what they confiscate. They just print money and they confiscate the value of yours. So that's what what I'm protecting people from. That's what the accounts that we have are going to do. And that is what people need to be worried about now. Maybe years down the line... If the dollar has no value whatsoever, and believe me, we're in a complete catastrophe when nobody will accept the dollar. If no matter how much money the the government prints, they can't buy anything because nobody will take it. You know, you want to give me ten million dollars for this toothpick? Forget it. You know, I'd rather have the toothpick. Right? If they if they can't buy anything, then 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 you you know, imagine what's going on. But. And that's why, you, you know, you could also have some plans for having offshore trusts and things like that and asset protection and stuff that I don't get into. I have clients that do that on their own, and I've done that. Um, but the, the immediate thing, I think that is still several years away. The immediate thing is to get your assets out of dollars. That's the immediate threat. That's what people don't understand. And number one, it's bonds, but also U.S. stocks. And U.S. stocks are going to have a horrible time, even if they end up going up in nominal terms. They are not going to go up in real terms. They are going to fall in terms of other currencies, and they're going to collapse in terms of gold. In fact, I still think that Dow Jones is going down to one ounce of gold. So obviously, gold's going to have to go pretty high. If the Dow is going to stay at 25000 I mean, gold's going to have to go to 25000 to make that happen. So it's more likely that the Dow is going to go down. Uh, but you never know. Obviously, if there's complete hyperinflation, then the Dow is going to go up. It's just going to look like it's going backwards when you compare it to the price of gold. Now, I read this other article, too, speaking about taxes. I read this article about Connecticut and their cigarette taxes and how they had been raising the cigarette tax. But what's been happening is they haven't been getting the revenue because people from Connecticut haven't been buying cigarettes in Connecticut. They've been smuggling them across the border where the taxes are lower. And they're reaching a point now where they raise taxes on cigarettes and they collect less revenue from cigarette sales because fewer people buy them legally and more people smuggle them in. And of course, that is why excise taxes are so good, right? If you go back and you read the the Federalist Papers and they they write about uh, uh, taxes, they they describe excise taxes, which is what a cigarette tax is, as being self-corrective as to abuse. And what they meant by that was if the government abuses the tax by raising it too high, it will actually get less revenue because people will stop buying the product that's subject to tax. And that's the beauty of the tax, right? It keeps the government in check because they can't raise it too high because you'll, you'll use something else or you'll break the law, you'll you know you'll smuggle. Uh, and, and that's why the government, or that's why the founding fathers wrote the Constitution so that the government would, would run pretty much exclusively on excise taxes. The only time they were supposed to use direct taxes, which are much more abusive, because if the government puts a tax directly on you, you, you can't avoid it, you gotta pay it. So the founding fathers looked at direct taxes at more of an abusive and a risk of abuse, and so they they made it very hard for the government to, to levy a direct tax by making it subject to the rules of apportionment, but they expected that the government would only, you know, raise direct taxes during a war when it was emergency and it needed a lot of money, right? But during peacetime, it was supposed to exist on excise taxes, and this shows you why. But that's the problem. You know, we don't now the government uh, collects predominantly direct taxes, even though. You know, legally, they pretend the Supreme Court in the um, Bershaber case after the income tax was ratified when, you know, they said, well, the income tax is an excise tax to, to make it constitutional. The Pollock decision right, rightfully struck down the income tax as being a unapportioned direct tax. Then they passed the 16th Amendment. And then when they challenged it again, the Supreme Court said, well, it's constitutional because now we're taxing income as an excise tax. But, but they don't do that. They levy the tax directly on you, measured by your income. They don't do what the Supreme Court said they were supposed to do. It's not an excise tax on corporate profits. It's a direct tax on sources of income. They tax your labor because they tax your wages. They tax your stocks because they tax your dividends. They tax your real estate because they tax your rents. Right? The Supreme Court ruled uh, that a tax on rent is a tax on real estate. A tax on labor is a tax on a human being. A tax on a dividend is a tax on a stock. These are all direct taxes they don't become excise taxes because you tax uh, uh, the, the 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 income and not the source. But then the Supreme Court said, well, if you can separate the income from the source, you can levy an excise tax on the income as long as it's separated from the source. Well, how do you do that? Through a corporate balance sheet, which is why the courts have defined repeatedly that income means a corporate profit. And corporate profits, that's the only thing that uh, the government's allowed to tax. But of course, they don't do that, right? They're all all the, the laws are ignored, and they continue to uh, collect these taxes as if they're direct taxes. And therefore, you know, there's, they're inherently much more abusive. Now, of course, it doesn't mean you can't try to avoid or evade direct taxes, right? People cheat on their income taxes all the time, or people do things like I did. They moved to Puerto Rico, right? You raise the taxes up too high, people leave, right? People find ways around it. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why this, you know, these taxes, this new tax bill is going to produce even bigger deficits uh, than would have been produced absent these tax cuts. So again, the budget deficits are skyrocketing. The trade deficits are skyrocketing. The dollar is tanking. Bonds are going down. Interest rates are going up. Inflation is picking up. All this bad stuff is happening, yet nobody cares. All they do is look at the stock market. Right? There is no booming economy. That exists only in the imagination of, of, uh, of investors or in Trump voters. The real economic data doesn't show any difference between now and, and Obama, That's it. It's all this soft data. It's all these surveys where everybody's all hyped up. But what's actually happening isn't much different. But what is different is we're much closer to going over the edge of that cliff. Because the entire time Obama was president, all of the problems in the economy were getting much worse. It's just that everybody ignored the problems as they were getting worse because they didn't understand it. And now we're in a major predicament. Last thing, though, I want to talk about are the cryptocurrencies, uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. in You know, in particular, but obviously it applies to uh, all these cryptocurrencies. But there was an article that I read. I actually read it up on the Zero Hedge website uh, about the cryptocurrencies trying to say that, hey, you know, all you people that are saying that it's a bubble and it's going to pop and it's like the Dutch tulip craze. You're all wrong. Right. This article said that this is like automobile companies. 100 years ago. It's like buying, you know, that Bitcoin is like buying stock in Ford, right? He said that there were a lot of automobile companies, and yeah, a lot of them went to zero, a lot of them went bankrupt, but some automobile companies became very, very successful. And he said that, you know, buying the cryptocurrencies is like trying to buy the automobile companies that, you know, that are going to be the ones that succeed, that somehow that cryptocurrencies are going to change the world, uh, just like automobile, right? Automobile was an evolution from horse and buggy to a car, and now we're going from paper money to cryptocurrencies, from money created by sovereign nations to money created by private citizens. And this innovation is going to be as transformative as you know the horseless carriage, and that this is the same thing. And so you know this is not tulip mania. This is like buying automobile stocks at the beginning of the age of the automobile. And I'm, this is like crazy. Bitcoin is not an automobile company. Why did Ford succeed and some of the other companies succeed? Because they found a way to make cars and sell them at a profit. So they were able to make a profit off the automobile. And so the people that bought stock in Ford happened to buy the stock that made a profit. Right? There were some companies that maybe had cars that nobody wanted to buy, and they couldn't compete, and they went bankrupt. And a lot of people probably overpaid. Even some of the stocks that ended up making a profit in the frenzy to buy auto stocks They obviously overpaid for the actual ability to generate a profit. Buying Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency is not like buying an automobile company. Bitcoin doesn't make anything. It doesn't sell anything. It can't make a profit for anybody. I mean, this is the insane stuff that happens in a bubble. You know, buying Bitcoin is like buying the individual car, right? So an automobile company might be a publicly traded company that mines Bitcoin right, or a company that utilizes the blockchain in some way to generate a profit, right? So companies that are trying to generate a profit off of cryptocurrencies or blockchain, you could argue that, hey, this is the opportunity, and maybe there, there's some future, you know, Fords, right, you know, that that are out there, but buying an individual Bitcoin is like not buying Ford, it's like buying yourself a Model T, you're buying the product, you're buying a thing. Of course, the difference is, I can actually use a Ford, a Model T, I could drive it. I, it eliminated my having to have a horse. It made my life better. I was able to go from point A to point B without being on a horse, right? I mean, I, so that was a big improvement in my life. What can I do with a Bitcoin, right? What can I do with a Bitcoin that I couldn't do before I got a Bitcoin? Nothing, right? So the, the Bitcoin as a product is not like a car was a product. Now, yeah, if you still have a Model T today that's in mint condition, yeah, it's, you know, it has value. As a collector's item, not as a car. You wouldn't drive the thing on the freeway. It's probably not even legal on the freeway. I mean, you might be able to drive it around the block in your home once in a while. Uh, you wouldn't want to do it too much because you probably don't want to put a lot of mileage on it. But it has value as a collector's item, right? You can, you can look at it. You can polish it. you can You can show it to your friends, right, and brag about it, right? So it has value because it's scarce and it's a piece of Americana. Does anybody think that a Bitcoin is going to have some kind of collector value in the future. Like some hundred years from now, some guy's going to have a collection of uncirculated cryptocurrencies on some flash drive and he's going to impress his friends by saying, hey, take a look at this wallet. Look, I got, I got this thing called a Bitcoin. Remember? You know, you, no, there's not going to be a collect- there's never going to be any collector's value. Plus, there's too many of these things, right? I mean, they didn't make nearly as many Model Ts as they made Bitcoins. And of course, a lot of people use the Model T. So they, they got junked. I mean, all the Bitcoins that have ever been mined in 100 years, they're all still here. (laughs) Right. So they're never going to have any any collectors of value associated with them. But that's what it is. When you're buying a Bitcoin, you're not buying the company. You're buying the car itself. Right. You're not you don't get a piece of the blockchain. Right. Just like when you buy a car, I don't own the roads. I don't own the highway. I just own that one car. You don't own a blockchain when you own a Bitcoin. You own something that is utilizing one blockchain, the blockchain that Bitcoin uses. That's all you have is that one token or a fraction of a token. If you, Because most people trying to buy today, they can't even afford to buy a whole Bitcoin, right? A Bitcoin is $13,000, $14,000. Now, I will point out, too, Bitcoin is no longer going up, by the way. I mean, we haven't made a new high in a while. And, you know, there's a lot to be worried about there for all you Bitcoiners and cryptocurrency guys. Uh, and you know who you are because you're constantly ribbing me about the fact that, yeah, I missed out on the gains. And I did. I admit that. Yeah, I I, I had an opportunity to profit from other people's greed and foolishness. And I once again didn't do it. But fine, I'm going to profit. I'm making a lot of money right now on my stocks that I do own. I'm going to make a lot more money. And the difference is I'm going to keep it. Now, yeah, there are going to be some people and I have had people open up accounts with me. A couple of people who have cashed out million dollar gains in cryptocurrencies and are sending me their money and they're opening up accounts. These guys are doing the right thing. But you know, based on how high Bitcoin has gone, I mean, I'm not getting that many of those accounts. I mean, they should be coming in every day. The fact that I'm not shows that most people are just letting it ride, right? It's They're still in the casino, and all the chips are on the table, and that means they may not come back with anything. In fact, I was reading an article today, uh, uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, talking about how we need more regulations on Bitcoin. We got to make sure that Bad people don't do bad things with these. Look, this is the kiss of death for these cryptocurrencies. The amazing thing is, during the bubble, you got people actually saying, oh, this is good for Bitcoin. Regulation is good. No, it's not. It's it's terrible. The initial appeal of Bitcoin was, hey, there's no regulation here. right? This is a, a, an easy, efficient way, peer-to-peer, no third parties, no banks. We don't have all these AML or all these rules. I can just, you know, it's an, a cheap way to exchange money. And it was initially. The problem was, you know, there was no, you, you couldn't say it was a store of value because the price could have imploded. As it turns out, the price went way up. But at least four or five years ago, it was useful in that you could you could use it very inexpensively to, to, to move it from person to person, you know. But you can't do that anymore just based on the, the, the sheer volume. The costs have gone up. But if you introduce a lot more regulation so that it's you know, you got to fill out all kinds of forms and all kind of paperwork, you know, just because you want to transfer your Bitcoin to somebody. And, you know, you need to present your a driver's license, a photo ID. You need a, a, you know, a power bill with your address on it. And then they have to run it through a bunch of red tape. And you got to do it and slows it down and increase the cost because the people that have to comply with all the rules and regulations and get audited, they got to charge for that. It costs a lot of money. And so, all of a sudden, if Bitcoin becomes more expensive to use, much more expensive to use than a credit card or a bank wire, well, then you've destroyed one of the main arguments for Bitcoin. And then all you're left with is, well, it's digital gold. Well, no, it's not. It's digital fool's gold. That's why, again, watch the price of gold. So far, it hasn't really broken out. People aren't even worried about it. I mean, in fact, a lot of people probably still think, oh, why buy gold? I'll just buy Bitcoin. So once gold breaks out, we get above $1,400, really start moving. If Bitcoin is still around this level, remember we're forming now the uh, right shoulder of a head and shoulders top. If we complete that formation and break the neck line, again, Katie, bar the door. Bitcoin is going to implode even faster than the stock market, right? They're both bubbles, right? People are both being irrational, but uh you know, one is, you know, is the air can come out a lot quicker uh than the other. So be very careful uh and as I said, this is the time, you know, <laughs> to be adding money to your positions in foreign stocks, in gold, in precious metals. We're going up almost every day. I don't know. Maybe we'll have a correction. Maybe we won't, right? Maybe these stocks will just keep on going up every day and people will be too afraid to buy them. But right now, a lot of people don't care because, oh, the U.S. stock market is going up too. So they don't think they're missing out on anything. Well, the U.S. stock market's on borrowed time, literally, right? It can't keep going up. It's got to implode, and the only way to stop it from imploding is to destroy the dollar. So either way, all the money is going to be made. The real money is going to be made on the other side of this dollar trade. It's going to be in foreign stocks and resources and commodities and emerging markets and gold, gold stocks, stuff like that. So if you have an account with me at Europe Pacific Capital, add to it, right? I mean, as quickly as you can, buy some gold, shift gold, open up a gold money account. Especially if you guys are holding cryptocurrencies, just go online, open up a gold money account at goldmoney.com and buy some gold and silver using your cryptocurrencies, using your Bitcoin. It's going to be the best trade that you can make, right? Because you'll have real gold and you'll be getting rid of all that fool's gold. Anyway, everybody have a great holiday weekend and it could be a very, very interesting Tuesday. I, I, I really think that there's a lot of risk this weekend. Nobody is thinking about it, but... I am very interested to see what happens to the dollar and gold, oil, bonds over this weekend and how we start trading on Tuesday morning when the U.S. finally reopens.